Hey, and thank you so much for joining us. I'm Jodie Cook, and this is Daniel Priestley, and we are co-authors of How to Raise Entrepreneurial Kids. We um, pre-launched the book a few weeks ago, and it's it's been amazing so far. Like, it's really, it's been so exciting hearing that you're all so excited to hit, to read it. Um, so we've had loads of messages of support, um, but we've also had loads of questions. Um, so what, what Daniel and I wanted to do is run through them today to make sure that everything is answered. Um, so what I'm going to do first is jump straight into answering the first one, which is when is the book out? Um, so it's been submitted. It's with the awesome editors at Rethink Press right now. And the plan is for it to be out in the autumn. Um, so if you head to clevertext.com forward slash book, then you can find out as soon as it's ready. And then question two um, for you, Daniel, it's not so much of a question, but it was, I guess, a worry um, from someone that buying a book like How to Raise Entrepreneurial Kids might be synonymous with being a pushy parent. So tell me your thoughts on that. Well, it's a good question. And um, if you think about uh, the idea of being an entrepreneur, a big part of it is, be, is, is a rebel, a misfit, a creative. Um, so you absolutely don't want to kind of beat a child into submission to make them an entrepreneur. You, you, you want to you bring out their creativity. You want to bring out their cheekiness and their playful nature. Um, and it's important to sort of uh, really reiterate the idea that it's entrepreneurial kids. It's not kids who are entrepreneurs. So it's about um, applying a sort of set of um, uh, a set of skills that are useful um, to to uh, to entrepreneurs, but would also be useful to kids. You know, one of the examples that I love is when you wanted to have a puppy, you wanted a dog. And rather than just sort of arguing and debate about it, you know, your parents said, can you put together a, a presentation? Can you put together a pitch deck? Um, and, uh, and you had to put together some slides and a presentation. And they turned it into that idea of if you want an idea, you've got to put a presentation together. And that is a great example of just a small activity that takes a typical scenario within a household and turns it into a little bit of a skill that entrepreneurs use to raise money, to get employees, to get customers, that whole idea of having a presentation, presenting your idea pro properly and powerfully. Um, and then later on down the track, when, when you know, as a young adult, they might think, I want to start a business, then that's in their mindset, that idea of, oh, I could present it on a set of slides. So, um, yeah, it's, it's certainly not about pushing kids into business too young. Business is stressful and hard and um, complex and all-consuming, and that's not what kids need. But there's certainly elements of business and entrepreneurship that are fun and engaging and creative um, and structured that kids really love to engage with. Definitely. And I never got a puppy. <laughs> My presentation wasn't well, good enough. <laughs> that's, that's reality. I mean, we cover that in the book, don't we? We cover, we cover in the book that you in your presentation you covered all the cute aspects of the puppy and all of the things that were important to you but you didn't cover the stuff that was important to your parents and then your cousin got a puppy and you asked what did you present that was different to what i presented and um they said well they had a, a roster for who would clean and feed the dog who would pick up the poo and then you realized that your presentation didn't cover any of those aspects and it's funny because you said to me like um, today when you're presenting to clients, you mentally think about what are their needs. I've got to present to them not the cute aspects that I'm interested in, but the things that answer their problems and their concerns. 
And that was a really great way to learn that lesson. Um, you know, and that's life. Sometimes the pitch works and sometimes the pitch doesn't work and, and uh, your cousin gets the puppy and you don't. <laughs> Definitely. So um, some of the questions that we also had were interested in our kind of collective expertise for writing this book, um, writing this book in the first place. And I'm really happy to be answering this as I think it's really important. So I'm going to kind of explain um, the kind of background for both of us. So um, Daniel Runstent, which is a global entrepreneurial acceler accelerator program. So he's worked closely with, I think, over 3,000 entrepreneurs. I wouldn't um, say I've worked closely with 3,000 entrepreneurs, <laughs> but Dent, Dent has worked closely with 3,000 entrepreneurs. Dent has worked closely with over 3,000 entrepreneurs. So it's all about like understanding how they work, their thought patterns, what makes them entrepreneurial. Um, Daniel really yeah. knows about that stuff and has then written five best-selling books on There's, the entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, yep, exactly. So um, one of them I co-authored, uh, which is the final one, which is what's my business worth? But uh, yeah, we've worked with businesses from startups right through to exiting for tens of millions of dollars um, and everything in between with 3,000 companies. Um, you write for Forbes, I write for entrepreneur.com um, and I've written, written the, the books. Um, and I think the most important thing too is that it's, it's important to be clear, we're not writing a book like an expert opinion on um, parenting or an expert opinion on entrepreneurship or entrepreneurial parenting. The book is sharing lots of real life stories, hundreds of stories of real life parents and what they're doing to raise entrepreneurial kids. So in many ways, we're kind of facilitating that, but we're weaving it together with our expertise. Um, and then on top of that, I, I actually, uh, the other side is that I'm, I'm a parent with three, three little, little ones under six. So mm -hmm. not, not necessarily an experienced parent. My, mine is still in the startup mode. <laughs> uh, early, yeah, early stage growth, early stage growth parenting. <laughs> but yeah, and that's important too. And I think understanding how entrepreneurial people think in your work, um, and having kids yourself um, is, is key in being able to share these stories. Um, and then for me, I think I've pretty much been obsessed with working out why some people feel like they are able to start a business and others feel like they're not able to start a business um, since I started my own back in 2011. And then since then, I've interviewed loads of incredible entrepreneurs and written about and, and asked them about their childhoods. And then my team at Clever Tykes has collected just thousands of entrepreneurial childhood stories um, and then we've also written a series of children's books which introduce children to entrepreneurial role models um, and they, those books are in every UK primary school um, but it's still about not necessarily teaching and saying this is exactly how you do it it's saying these are all the methods see which works for you and your family like it's very um, far away from the pushy parent side it's more about showing what's possible um, so I guess it's probably safe to say that we're both just fanatics of everything to do with entrepreneurial mindsets, um, but also also social mobility as well, just making sure that these messages reach people no matter what their backgrounds are, um, which I think combined will make a really, really great book. <laughs> so, um, so I guess the next question, which you've kind of touched on a little bit, was what's the difference between a child entrepreneur and an entrepreneurial child? So I'm going to throw that one over to you, Daniel. A child entrepreneur... Um would be actually a child who's running a business. Like if, if you actually had a child entrepreneur and that there's very occasionally, there are examples where it happens that you get kids who start a business 
um, and they, you know, they have a parent or a guardian who, you know, opens a bank account for them and they kind of start transacting and buying and selling stuff. And, um, you know, and, and personally, I think that's a little bit unfortunate, a little bit too much too soon. Um, of course, hey, of course, there's there's fun activities like, you know, car boot sales and, um, you know, selling stuff on eBay and buying something and fixing it up and restoring it and then reselling it. Those are great. Those are fun things for teenagers to be doing. But a child entrepreneur would actually be kind of like someone under the age of 18 who's who's really genuinely starting a business and growing a business. And I have known people like that. One of my good friends started his first business at 15, um, which is, uh, you know, which is quite extraordinary. Um, but a, an entrepreneurial child is a little bit different. It's kind of like an apprentice, you know, apprentice is not a, you know, an apprentice electrician is not an electrician. They're learning the skills and they, you know, they may not even end up being an electrician, but they're learning a set of skills. Um, so it's that apprenticeship mindset. It's learning a set of skills that would be relevant to being an entrepreneur. And in many ways, I think it's taking the best parts of entrepreneurial skills and entrepreneurial mindset and just sharing those with people who are at that formative growing up stage of life. Um, entrepreneurship is about being resourceful um, and trying to access resources beyond your control and take some creative risks and some calculated risks and um, try and access some rewards um, and try and change things, try and do things the way you want to do it and try and think about how something could be done better. So those are the kind of essence of entrepreneur, entrepreneurial, you know, the entrepreneurial mindset is around that. And that's a fun and engaging thing for kids to learn and, and learn about. What are your thoughts? Yeah, totally agree that we're not trying to raise, we're not trying to, create this kind of generation of child entrepreneurs it's all about being an entrepreneurial child and that's all about resourceful creativity positivity attitude to risk learning that it's kind of learning that it's all a game um but that you can start playing the game um from from kind of day one um this actually leads on really nicely to the next questions because there's, they're all kind one, of there's one quick point i do want to make before we go into the next question which is um when I, was at, when I was at high school, maybe I was 14, 15, one of my big things that I would throw at my teachers fairly constantly, because I was a bit of a disruptive kid in class, I would say, how is this going to be relevant to the real world? Um, and, you know, I would say that to my history teacher. What does it matter learning about something that happened 100 years ago? How is that relevant to the real world? And, and my maths teacher, Pythagoras theory. How's, how am I ever going to use Pythagoras theory? you know, uh, in the real world. And um, the, I, ne I never got a good answer until much later. And, and a, I did end up getting a good answer to those questions. And obviously, when you grow up a bit, you realise the value of certain things like history and geography um, are much more than you realise when, you, when you're a kid. But one of the things I absolutely adored in school was um, I had an economics teacher. And the economics teacher really took the time to explain to the class this is how this is relevant in the real world. Like this is how you're going to negotiate higher pay. This is how you're going to, um, you know, make, you know, make, work for a successful business or choose which business is successful. This is how you're going to know whether it's a good time to invest money or not a good time to invest. And this particular uh, teacher really started the first week really explaining and, and all throughout school, really explaining this concept, here's how it applies to you in the real world. And, I can't, I can't tell you how much we engaged as a class. Like we all just leaned in because it's not that we thought we were going to become economics, but you know, economists. Um, 
we just had a feeling that we were learning something that was going to be relevant to us when we when we were older because mm. it and it could be relevant to like history as an example it could be really relevant to that as well i love the thought that like a history teacher could read this book and then be able to say well hang on it is relevant because history is where you learn about the mistakes that everyone else has made yeah. so that you make them for well, yourself that's all they had to say to us in history class they had to all they had to say was history repeats that human behavior is, is repetitive. And if you learn about history, you'll learn about the future. And, um, oh, wow, okay, now I, know, now I know that. And it's like, oh, wow. You know, there, when you get a great teacher who makes it relevant. So I, I know that, and I think we've got some statistics here, that a huge percentage of teenagers imagine themselves being entrepreneurs as a career choice one day. You know, it's replaced footballer and it's replaced movie star. Um, so as soon as you basically say that this skill is relevant to entrepreneurial um, entrepreneurship, you're actually capturing the attention of a huge percentage of teenagers who are interested in that. Mm. Yeah, we um, there was some research by SME Loans that said that 83% of 18 to 24-year-olds dream of self-employment, but then there were all these reasons for what's standing in the way, and it was like they, they don't have belief in themselves, they think they're going to be stressed out, they can't afford to do so, um, they're worried about their skills, they fear failure, um, or they're just scared, just completely scared of the whole thing. Which is all fairly legitimate, if you, <laughs> in fairness, they're pretty good reasons. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they are, but they're not. Yeah, but they're not reasons to not they're do They're overcomable, it. yeah. yeah, yeah they are also, also good reasons not to hop on a motorbike. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, but, many. Yeah, but, um, but you can also learn how to ride, ride safely. Because um, all those things that we've just listed out, the, the kind of seed is planted in childhood for those things. So like, oh, well, I don't have any money. Oh, well, I can, I can get some. Or like, oh, I'm scared of failing. Oh, well, failing doesn't matter. Like they're all you can overcome those objections just in childhood, just by the way that people are yeah. going to talk to and the scenarios that they, that they deal with. Yeah. Oh, t totally. I've got a five-year-old little boy and uh, he's learning to, he's riding his bike now without stabilizers, but we must've said a hundred times while he was um, learning to ride mistakes are part of learning. Um, so we had this little mantra that we'd say mistakes is part of learning. Learning's part of winning. Every winner was once a beginner. And we just kind of go through that over and over and over again while he's riding his bike. And, um, and it's now it's in the back of his mind. Mistakes are part of learning. I like that. Um, when I was at university, we, I was in the cross country and athletics team and we used to go on these horrible runs in Sheffield, which is the most hilly city in the UK. And whenever we were on our long runs, whenever we had to run up a hill, our coach would say to everyone, you have to chant, we love the hills, we love the hills. And we just, there'd be a whole bunch of us just chanting that, going up the steepest hill ever. But what it did was taught us to take on the hard parts as part of the run. So you're not going to plan your whole route, just avoiding the difficult parts. You're going to like face them head on and just get really good at it. Um, and I kind day. of that earlier. Yeah, to this day, I love the hills. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Okay, so the next questions kind of follow a theme. So I was going to read them all out in one go and then we'll just kind of go, go over them collectively. Um, and some of them, they're not necessarily questions, but they're more comments that we had. So we had, shouldn't we just be raising kids to be kind and happy? We had, can't we just let kids be kids and focus on play and fun? And then we've got, what if my kids don't want to be entrepreneurs? And then we've got, will it make them greedy and money focused? So I understand there's a lot there, <laughs> but have you got any thoughts of any of those? 
yeah. So, um, so well, for starters, let's try, take greedy and money focused. Um, when people live in scarcity and lack and they don't have resourceful strategies around money, they become very greedy and money focused. So some of the most greedy and money focused people I know are people who are extremely ill-prepared for the world of money and resourcefulness and they don't know how to negotiate a pay rise. They don't know how to earn more money. They don't know how to um, uh, capture the value of their worth. And that makes them, because they feel unresourceful in that space, that makes them extremely money focused and greedy. Um, and when I say greedy, you know, things like if someone asks them for a few pounds on the street, they say, well, I don't have a few pounds to give you. And, you know, I, you know, I'm not made of money. Um, and when I say money focused, they're constantly worried about every penny and every pound. So that's no way to live. And, um, and it's really, it's a skill set. Um, and, and some of the least greedy and least money focused people I know are just entrepreneurs who are getting on with their vision, their mission, their values, trying to change the world. And when they need more money, they raise more money when they, um, when they want to, uh, you know, pay themselves more, they find a way to market more effectively and, and, um, and, you know, they pay themselves more. They feel like they're in the driver's seat, the control seat of, um, of finances and, and actually, in many cases, most of the successful entrepreneurs that I know, they employ someone who looks after the money called a chief financial officer. And they almost don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. They spend a lot of time thinking about their vision um, and what they want to create in the world. Um, so that, that would be, you know, my thoughts around that one. I know it's a controversial answer and it's not what people are trained to, you know, most people are like, well, oh, that's a horrible answer. What a horrible man to say such a thing. But but you know, it's it it's just what I see happening out there in the in the world. Um, and then, absolutely, you want to raise kids who are happy and kind and creative and having fun being kids. Um, here's what I've learned in writing this book and looking at the stories: a lot of entrepreneurial behaviour is happy and fun and kind and playful and actually in line with being a kid. So entrepreneurship is resourcefully accessing resources outside of your current level of control. Um, you as a baby, your survival depends upon accessing resources outside of your control. You, that is all you have. In fact, entrepreneurs in many stages when they start up, all they have at the beginning is their pitch. And a baby, all they have is their pitch, a different kind of pitch, a high pitch, a squealing pitch. But all they have is their pitch. All they can do is say, I need this resource. I need, or, or just even communicate the sound of what it sounds like to be hungry. Um, and they have to mobilize resources outside of themselves by looking cute, by making noises, um, by pointing at things when they're two or three, you know, or one or two, you know, all of those kind of things um, that, you know, that, that is about being resourceful and accessing all these resources that are around them but out of their reach. And um, that is such a human characteristic. And that's actually, by the way, that's what entrepreneurs do. We look around and we see all these resources out there in, in the world. And then we use our, you know, cleverness and our cuteness and our uh, words to see if people want to put those resources into what we're doing. Um, that's in perfect alignment. Children are massive risk takers. You know, they love taking risks. Um, you know, the, the, the watching a child learning to walk 
and the fact that they just fall down and down and down, same as when they weren't learn to ride a bike, same as when they're learning to play with certain toys, you know, they, they fail over and over and over to produce a little um, train circuit and, um, you know, and they keep going at it. And it's actually those kind of behaviors that often get beaten out of children uh, and, and that make them less happy, less fun, less creative because kids are born happy, fun and creative and, and, and kind in many ways. And then society kind of shifts that. So in many, in many ways, the entrepreneurs are often people who are accused of not growing up. You know, they've still got that playful spark, uh, that, child, that childlike spark for the world. So we definitely want to keep that. And it's that um, TED talk, isn't it? The second Robinson one about um, creatively, creativity kills, I can't remember the exact name of it, but it's, it's basically all about schools, like how- Schools kill creativity. Schools kill creativity about how every child is born really creative. And then the trick is for them to stay creative as they grow up, because as they get kind of put into boxes and, and yeah. put along these like sausage factory, <laughs> like totally. sausage machines, then they, then they kind of get the creativity and the playfulness and the just giving stuff a go, um, kind of almost beaten out of them, which is not something that is conducive, I think, to entrepreneurship. Um, and actually another TED talk that's probably relevant here is the one about the puzzle of motivation and how the key things in motivation are autonomy, mastery and purpose. And they're three things that are really instrumental to entrepreneurship. So how do you, how do you kind of instill those autonomy, mastery and purpose kind of concepts into kids as well? Because then that means that they have more fun. They enjoy things more. They have more fulfillment and purpose. Mm. And then that is fulfilling that happy criteria that we're also trying to reach. Well, there's a great story that you share in the book um, about being um, tasked with booking your own uh, GP appointment at a certain age and having to get the phone number dial the number, talk to the receptionist and look at your, look at the diary and pick a time and actually agree a time. How old were you when, when that was happening? I must've been about nine. It wasn't very old. Yeah. Right. So nine or 10 years old, you know, you're, you're being tasked with an autonomy task, like being, being self-reliant and being trusted, you know, you're being trusted to um, do something pretty important to talk to a you know doctor's surgery um, about um, you know about making a time. There's a lot in that, and it would have been so easy for your parents to just simply pick up the phone and make the appointment. Mm-hmm. Um, but you remember that as a nine-year-old as being a very important, amazing um, task. And and the book is about tuning into those moments and embracing those moments. One of the ideas in the book is that um, is like paying pocket money for creative things as well as chores. So um, when my kids um, uh, ask about money and things like that, and they say, how can I earn some money? How can I earn a little bit of money? One of the things that I've talked about is, well, why don't you today cook popcorn um, and then we'll put it in special bags and then you have to write that it's popcorn on the bag and then you've got to give it a special name as to how it might taste. And then if you bring that to me in my office, I'll buy that off you. Um, for a pound and then you'll have made something that I want and when I look at the when I look at it I'll, I'll be I want to eat it because it says that it's yummy popcorn and um, and then I pay them for making me popcorn during the day and that 
they they have an amazing time cooking and making and they design their little bags and they bring them to me and um, you know there's pounds and it's like this exciting thing now a lot of parents they go oh if you want to make a pound you got to clean this you got to you know do this horrible chore you got to pull the weeds out and all that which is fine there's great businesses that relate to those kind of uh, things but we live in a world where some of the best money is made by doing something fun and creative and and all of that so why not teach the kids that it's not just yucky chores that make that pay the bills there's all sorts of fun ways to make make some money <laughs> there's a similar story um recently some family friends have um they've got three kids all under the age of six as well and um they've been setting up a little kind of store to sell vegetables that they've grown in their garden and fruits and things in in the kind of front driveway um and Sarah, who's the mom, was telling me about how much the kids had learned just through playing with that process. Um, and actually, one of the things that had happened was a lady came by to buy some strawberries. Um, she had the strawberries, but she didn't have the 20 pence on her to buy the strawberries. So she said she'd come back later and she never came back. <laughs> so, I mean, Listen. but in my, yeah, imagine learning about like about just that and what do we do and how do we deal with it and how do we account for that elsewhere? As a six-year-old, that would open your mind up so much. I think I think it's an incredible lesson to learn, even when it doesn't go so well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, with any any other thoughts you had on any of those questions about? I think we've kind of answered everything. Like, what if I guess what if my kids don't want to be entrepreneurs? Is just oh, want to address. Yeah. So I think look at look at um, the statistics these days that people change careers every you know five years or so. People change employer every few years. Um, it involves negotiating pay. It involves um, you know having to do some soul searching. What was it I liked about this job? What didn't I like? What am I trying to change? What am I trying to shift? How do I deal with disruption and change? Um, how do I realign to my vision once um, you know once uh, I get disrupted? All of that is so relevant to every job and every career right now. And um, it's the entrepreneurial skills that are helpful um, for, you know, for, for dealing with all of that. You know, there's a, there's a kind of an idea that um, a, an employee is actually someone who is an entrepreneur. They're selling all of their product, their time to one customer, the employer. Um, and essentially that's what's really going on. You've got eight hours a day and you've got one buyer, one customer who buys those eight hours a day. Now, mind you, that's changing really rapidly. It's so common now to see people doing two days for one company, three days for another company, um, you know, kind of the consulting model. Uh, all of that is like, you know, across every profession that's happening. So everyone kind of needs that little teaspoon, teaspoon of entrepreneurship um, in there. One thing that I find interesting, and it's, it's kind of covered in the book, and you and I have discussed it, is that there's this default assumption that entrepreneurs are unkind, un, um, uncre you know, like mean, money-orientated people. And you talked about the fact that in, in movies and in, uh, in media, there are so few examples of entrepreneurs uh, for what they actually are. I mean, you've got you know, um, Scrooge McDuck and you've got Mr. Burns um, you know, in, uh, in The Simpsons and you've got... Uh, you know, all of these people who have made money and, and succeeded mm -hmm. who do not look anything like the people I know who have made money and succeeded, uh, who are absolutely kind and playful and creative and happy. Yeah. I think I know that, well, for me, especially when I was growing up, I, 
I kind of moved in between wanting to be a checkout operator and then a vet and then a writer and like lots of different stuff. But I don't ever remember thinking, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. And it probably at the time was through lack of role models. But the more we can introduce role models, the more it opens up choice. And the choice is the key here because maybe, yeah, maybe your kid doesn't want to be an entrepreneur, but they might do in the future. And we don't want to close off opportunities because they haven't had the role models there. And also entrepreneurship isn't like necessarily like you're not necessarily an entrepreneur all the time that you're being an entrepreneur. So like, for example, when a vet sets up a veterinary practice and they're actually running a business and also being a vet, they're part entrepreneur, part vet. Um, you know, so it's not like they're being a full-time entrepreneur all the time, wheeling, dealing and flying around the world, buying and selling companies, you know, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, or, or, you know, but sure enough, a vet to open a veterinary practice probably needs to raise some money, probably needs to employ someone, uh, probably needs to have a vision, a mission and some values written up on the wall, um, probably needs some marketing, uh, to get people to come along. So you know, primarily they started out thinking, I want to be a vet. Now they're thinking in order to be a vet, I need to open my own practice. My cousin is a dentist, but um, she's risen up through the dentistry ranks and the next logical progression for her is opening her own clinic and she's opened a clinic and she's doing really well. And, um, uh, and you know, she never saw herself as an entrepreneur. She always thought I was the weird one doing this entrepreneurial thing. And, you know, she's had to come to terms with, oh, wow, I'm an entrepreneur now, um, you know, entrepreneurial dentist. So uh, so it's it's one of those skills that you kind of creeps up on you at some point in your career. You're going to have to be a bit entrepreneurial. Yes, definitely. And the earlier you can just practice and play around with it, the better you'll be when it suddenly lands on you later on. <laughs> um, so I think that's that's pretty much the questions and the comments that we had. But I think if anyone watching has got any more, happy to answer them. It'd be really cool to hear from you and just hear like what you think about the book and about this just whole concept of raising entrepreneurial kids. Um, so we've just set up a Facebook group. It's a community on Facebook that's called How to Raise Entrepreneurial Kids. And you're very welcome to join and hear the stories and join in and just kind of speak to the other people in there who are all sharing the same message. Um, or clevertext.com forward slash book is where you can sign up to hear when the book's going to be out. Thank you, Daniel, for joining me. Cheers. Can't wait to see what uh, what, what evolves from this. I'd li- I, I'm really looking forward to hearing how people get inspired and put this into play and put this into action. Amazing. Thank you. Cheers.